0: Everyone, welcome to episode sixty-seven of the Fitness Devil Podcast. Our or two-thirds to one hundred, and Nick Tumanello joins us for celebrating that landmark. Uh, Nick's been someone I've been following a really long time, and I'm really excited to get on here. This one's definitely an intellectual episode, so buckle in. We talk about what gatekeeper syndrome is and how it works in the fitness industry. Uh, his thoughts on social media, um, including how he doesn't reward people with his attention who troll him and are negative. Uh, definitely some key elements to longevity in the industry. And Nick's really great at challenging the industry status quo with uh, innovative ideas. So we discuss a bit of that, plus why he likes movies and doesn't uh, prefers movies over books. Uh, stay tuned. Hopefully you like it, share, subscribe. Thanks.
1: Shut up and sit down.
0: Hey everybody, uh, welcome back to the podcast. Today we've got one of the premier teachers and educators in the fitness industry, someone who I have followed for a very long time. I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately, but that's actually the caliber of guest we've been getting here. So it's uh, Nick Tumanello, and Nick is a respected trainer, published author. I think you got, what, four books now? Does that sound right? Or is it way more I've
2: three published books. One is like a self-published, more like a workout book, and I'm working currently working on my fourth. Just finished the first draft, actually. That's right. Working on the fourth.
0: Uh, you've written for too many publications for me to try to list off here. Uh, t Nation being another one. So, we've had a string of big t Nation people recently Danny Sugart was just on the podcast, Brett Contreras, um, Charles Staley, Lee Boyce. It just goes on and on. And you're a regular speaker at fitness conferences. And that's actually where I met you in Spokane at uh, Tim Arndt's um, Inland Empire Fitness Conference, which was really super. And I'm glad I'm going back. So, welcome, man. Glad to have you here. Well, I appreciate it and you're really downgrading with me after all those awesome guests that you said that
2: you've had prior here. So if
1: we went from like C list now, I guess you'd be a D. Like I always like try to rank our fitness professionals in like the celebrity world. You'd be like a D plus.
0: Nick doesn't know your huber yet, so he, he
1: knows that. Like, there's B-list actors, A-list actors, and then like all the fit pros would like definitely be C's and D's, and then like way further down
0: the line. He loves to take the piss. Out I, was, of a, at all I was a
1: student all through all through high school, and I don't know, and I'd probably end up
2: getting about a C in the average personal training certification if it has a lot of physiology. So I've Perfect. been floating around the D.C. area for uh, not Washington D.C. Great area for a long time. Yeah, so. it's a great place to be.
1: <laughs> I, I feel real comfortable that yeah. there. The only one that cracked the real list is is who's the fucking. Jillian mm. Michael, she's a B. She's not like a, she's not good, but she made, she's a celebrity. She gets
0: a fucking F, but yeah. We've we've talked about this endlessly about like uh, famous trainers and the people who aren't necessarily that good, but they break through the mainstream. Uh, let's not go there right now. But uh, yeah, I really
2: appreciate you guys starting this off on a on a nice uh, sunny day instead of giving me the dark cloud to try to pull out one under me. Your negativity.
1: We're like, we're like, you're not famous. Like, why are you even here?
0: All right, yeah, (laughs) important Knicks people are going to be like, who the fuck are these idiots? All right, so (laughs) let's go, well, sort of at this topic. Uh, You've talked uh, about identifying a good, great personal trainer, and I saw a recent thread. There's a few fitness professionals that I know. They're really unilaterally shitting the fuck all over almost all personal trainers and how they're garbage was the term I used. And I I wasn't offended by this at all, but I, I felt like this was just such a terrible message to be sending people. And then a few days later, you made a post coincidentally talking about gatekeeper syndrome in the fitness industry. So could you explain what gatekeeper syndrome is and your overarching thoughts on this whole discussion?
2: All right. So uh, let's just put it this way. Um, You know, no matter one of the things that you learn as you're an adult and you and you grow up into a field, especially one that's a diverse, has a lot of diversity in it. A diversity of thought. I mean, diversity of approaches. Of approaches like the fitness and conditioning field, and of course other uh, allied health professions, nutrition, physical therapy. There's a lot of range of systems and personalities and philosophies, um, and you're you're going to have this idea that whatever people did, whatever they do now, and whatever they did to get where they're at, they feel like that is the standard from which everybody else needs to be judged. Look, let's let's take it let's take one let's take it away from um our field for a second let's just look at music right i grew up listening to punk rock music now I'm, I'm 39 years old so my favorite music which i still listen to all the time is what's called 90s skate punk you know like the tony hawk pro skater type you know and obviously if people are in their 30s they know what i'm talking about um bad religion no effects those types of bands so when we were when i was coming up all the previous punk rocker types were like ah that's not punk whatever <laughs> we grew up with when we were teenagers were punk but then of course if you grew up in england it was the english punk bands Gosh. right and then look at metal everybody's generation of metal that was their thing right that's what i mean by gatekeeper and then they were all the all the older you know uh punkers while well, the younger kids they were having different a different language and different style they were going oh get the heck out of our scene right you're posers, and what what happens when you don't resonate with the older folks? When all they do is just talk negatively to you, well, they get exactly what they want. You don't try to go over to their side and listen to their music. You actually go, well, screw you. I'm going to go over here, right? So it actually is a, they dig their own grave. So that's what I mean by gatekeeper. You know, if if it took me me the in the imaginary me, if it took me thirty years before I ever wrote my first book, then as soon as someone comes along and and only has 20 years experience, you think you must have done something dishonest, Hmm. which is a very intellectually uh, superior illusionary superiority because you're thinking, well, I have now set the standard. Nobody can do it any differently or a certain way. Instead of thinking, man, how has technology changed? What did this person do better than I did? Maybe I educated this person And by doing my job, I helped them not make all the mistakes I made. And I took 10 years. I accelerated them 10 years, which is what every parent or mentor should do. When Mm -hmm. when people who come up under you, if you're an educator and you're providing information, they should be standing on your shoulders. They should be able to see further. They should be able to move along faster. That's you doing your job. That's not you turning, you shouldn't turn around and then go, you should pat yourself on the back. You shouldn't try to squash them down. So that's what I mean by gate, gatekeeper syndrome. And the thing that's just, we need to realize is it's purely subjective. Um, I'll, I'll bring it back to training when, you know, when people say one of my favorite lines I hear people say is, we'll just stick to the basics. And I go, you know what? We talk about the term functional and we say, well, it's a, it's a buzzword because it means different things to different people. Well, so does the word strength. If I ask my professional rock climbers how you feel and they say, I don't really feel strong today, they're not talking about barbells. So, <laughs> so strength means different things to different people, but nobody says it's a meaningless word. Now, when, when we say the basics – Well, that's as subjective as it gets because if I talk to a corrective exercise-oriented trainer, now there's numerous schools of thought within that, uh, and then I talk to a powerlifting-oriented trainer and a bodybuilding-oriented trainer and a 3D functional movement trainer, what they perceive as the basics are are completely different. One of them is standing in 3D. The other one it's, you know, you gotta isolate before you integrate. The other one you have to work from, you know, inside to out, right? Either all these different terms. So that is as relative and that means different things to different people as well. So we all say these things and assert these things, but never analyze that there are plenty of other people just as experienced if uh, or and intelligent, if not more so, who have the same resume if not more impressive, who say the exact same thing but have mutually Different or mutually, sometimes mutually contradictory perspectives on what good training is and what the basics are and what a quality is a good trainer and how much experience they need and blah, blah, blah. And it always ends up being exactly what they demonstrate, how convenient,
0: right? Well, one of the things that I think, especially when I see a lot of really negative language that describes most or all personal trainers as being bad or unqualified... We know that there are plenty of unqualified people in the industry. We know that commercial gyms especially tend to be populated with trainers who don't have probably much of a certification, enough experience to probably know how to teach this stuff well. But these big blanket statements can then sow mistrust, and especially coming from people in the industry. If you are spreading this over your social media and you have followers who are not in the industry, then they start to mistrust the entire industry. And th- these are people who really need... The help, so I I don't know. What are your thoughts about that?
2: Well, I would just say that, like, when you, the big thing that you just said, the the, the, uh, the signal froze there for yeah, a second. So yeah. I'm sorry if I'm slightly delayed behind you, but um, what you said is the people who really need it, and uh, or the people who want it. That's actually the most important part. Is that you want to focus on the people who really are hungry for it, and you don't want them to become not hungry, or at least become not hungry from it from you. And like I said before, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. We often dig our own grave because when you go up to someone and all they do is they squash down your questions and they don't like, you know, they mistake they mistake unique thought um, or challenges or questions and inquisition and curiosity for challenging them or just say, oh, well, you're not experienced enough to do this yet. And I always say, you know, you're never too ex- to be full of crap and have bad ideas, and you're never too inexperienced to have a really good idea, right? Um, uh, as long as you're using good philosophies and methodologies to get there. So, you know, the, the quickest way to turn people off is to have that kind of angry, crotch ah, yeah. you know, that kind of mentality, this is how it's done kind of thing. And, and then there's going to be other people who are younger and they're going to be, they're are going to see, or they're older, but they seem more relatable and they seem like more older versions of you. Hey, this is fun. I like this. What do you got to say? You know, and you're always, so the people who are always bitching about why people aren't this way, why people aren't like them, they're digging their own grave because if you're always bitching and crotchety, then you're not, you're not attracting people to listen to you. Right. Mm-hmm. you you may get a few people. Who are attracted to that highly authoritative mindset because that's their personality type, right? And we we, we often forget that there's a highly uh, personal, from a personality type, um, attitudinal disposition aspect to training. You know, I mean, if you, I don't like very authoritative type uh, mentalities, this is why I'm not fit for the was never fit for the military. And I certainly never – I didn't go to college, but the, one of the worst things I would have ever been not caught dead near is all these frat houses. That, that kind of mentality is just not my thing. So if you approach me, even if you're talking about fitness, and you display that sort of attitudinal disposition, I go, I can get that information that you're provided, but I don't like the style in which you're providing it to me, and I don't like the flavor, right? You, we all talk in ice cream, but one of them is mint chocolate chip. The other mm-hmm. one is chocolate.
1: Well, the weird, right. thing I, the weird thing I was thinking is like the the consciousness of that strategy. Like there's some people who want to be crotchety and that's what gets them, I guess, their viral appeal. But then there's the people who are just like that. And it's kind of interesting if they're like trying to be like the, that. You know there's an mean?
0: audience for everything.
1: But that's what I mean. It's yeah. different if it's informed. If that's your informed way of doing it, like all the power to you. But I hate people that are closed off just because that's how they are. You know what I mean? Like they don't even know that that's why.
0: I just hate people that yell at the screen. My yelling at the screen. No, but oh, there's God. this there's this jackass, <laughs> and I keep seeing his videos, and he's tilted sideways, and he wears a bandana, and he's just oh, shouting yeah. and screaming at the screen really fast, and I see people Robert sharing. Robert Frank. I don't know. I, yeah. I I see people sharing this idiot, and I'm just like, I, I don't I don't care what this guy says. This this is a real big turnoff. But I think a lot of people like it because it does go viral. So. But
2: you just you just talked about him, so clearly there's the, it's we got to remember something out at some, and I'm not validating the guy that, you know, I could care less, but what I'm saying is you get, when it comes to social media stuff, and this is important, we are, it's about attention. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to grab people's attention first. Now, what you do with their attention once they've got it, that's, you know, completely up to you. But what I'm saying is, you know, because there's so many other people doing it, it's up in the level. Sometimes you got to do some things if you want attention. So, you know, the, the, the fact that the dude, you know, you had mentioned him, it stood out enough to you. Absolutely. You know, is really shows that the attention aspect of it is working. Now I can't speak to the quality of what the person is talking about. It's video to video. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that we all have to realize that we forget about the attitudinal aspect of this, where, you know, there's reasons why people that you like certain people in the field and you don't. And normally it has to do not with the information, because if they're talking evidence, they're sharing the same studies. Right, or, but it's the style, it's the delivery system, right? I mean that's the difference, and that's why you more resonate with people or don't, and that's why I certainly don't, and that has to do with my personal attitudinal disposition, so it's one one thing I why I say is it's always personal, it's not a personal attack if you challenge me on a research study or you just say, Well, you left this out, I'm going to be wrong about things, you're going to have read studies that I've not seen, and vice versa but if we don't communicate in the same way, if I'm highly authoritative, which I'm not, and you're anti that, we already are starting at a problem because you interpret language, you interpret tone,
0: you interpret style in a completely different way than, than I do. It also goes to what we were talking about off air, and we usually sort of like are very careful about this sort of topic, but when you have fitness professionals who really dive heavily into politics or social, social ideology as part of their message. And for me, I've got a bunch of friends who do this, but I prefer to stay apolitical in a public realm. And I prefer to consume knowledge from people who are apolitical and don't venture into the social stuff. So, what are your thoughts on that?
2: Um, I say it's good for people to do what you. I grew up as a punk rocker, man. It was all about individual, you know, be yourself. Um, so, if that's the best way you feel like you're comfortable and communicate and, you know, and you find an audience, good for you. Do your thing. Now, speaking of my thing, I would probably say I'm more fit with your thing. I personally don't really give a shit about people's political views. Um, and it's not – yes, it's around. You can't get away from it. You know what I mean? You, they say if you, know, if you don't find politics, politics finds you. That's exactly why I try to find places that I don't want to hear it because I – there are times when you want to break from all that stuff. And one of the things that I would love to have a break from it or I gravitate towards having a break from it is when we talk about fitness. And I do find and I'm not trying to have this like whole unity message or whatever, but it is one thing that at least we can all, you know, have a, you know, similar passions about. And if you want to talk about the ideas of debate and people talk about how divisive everything is, one of the biggest things is to find common ground with people that you disagree with on on divisive topics. And what better common ground can we fine than, than having mutual interests in training. Um, so I don't really find, I don't really gravitate towards people. If I gravitated towards you in fitness, it's because of your fitness stuff. It wasn't because of your, um, you know, political stuff. And I actually, I was talking to a trainer the other day in New York at my last, um, you know, we're doing this at the end of November, 2018. It was my last workshop of the 2018 year. And I said, you know, it's almost a niche now to be a trainer who doesn't talk about politics who just talks about right. talks about fitness I say yeah, that's that's actually one way to separate yourself and the flip the flip applies some people just say well I want more than just you know bicep curls and yeah. you know technical stuff I want to hear more about your put I want to feel like I fit into this group that's not speaking to me and I want someone to speak to me I want to relate to them more good for you but keep in mind now it's also opened up another niche where somebody like me just goes I don't give a shit about what you think politically. I only follow you for fitness stuff.
1: Well, they had it on you know? uh, uh John John Goodman's fucking Facebook thing. Anyway, someone they always post like fucking questions. But one of them was like, "What makes you stand out as an online trainer with all this sh- all these all these online trainers in the world?" And everyone's putting like their their prepacked message. And I was just like being obsessed with being good at coaching and like like actually liking fitness and putting out good shit. And like that wasn't even close to the answer. And that's a niche almost to like want to be really good at that shit, you know what I mean like or at least be a uh, vocal about it
2: well yeah it's just it's just being consistent i you know it's just being um you know if you never know what you're gonna get from something, then you don't have that sort of security. you don't have like man, every time I go to Nick's page, I know I'm gonna get some some of this, you know what I mean it's going to be that, and this, if you continue with that, it provides a comfort. For certain people, um, and that's just kind of how I am, you know. So I'm only going to speak to things that I want, that I wish to be speaking to. So again, that's another way to be authentic. People think being authentic has to do with saying every view that you have on everything. That, that's that's not that's that's not just the only way to be authentic. Being authentic is just doing things the way you would like to see them done, you know. And that and that could be across the board. So if I don't really care about other people's politics, then of course I'm not going to be the person who starts putting my political views out there, you know? So that is authentic too. Um, I think that's a mistake a lot of people make is they think authenticity has to mean, like, putting out a lot of things that you think
1: about a lot of topics. Yeah, that's someone's Um, version of what authentic should be for social media. It's like the authentic guideline, but, like, that's the exact opposite. You're listening to someone else's guideline on being authentic.
2: And I also, I'll be, I will I tell people, I go, I authentically don't think it's any of your business what I do in my (laughs) personal life or you know, what I think politically, you know, and I authentically don't give a shit about yours. So there's authentic, there's authenticity as well.
0: And the biggest thing of all, and this is this fucking simple, if you're going to get really political or really, really like, you know, far-leaning in any social stuff, you quite literally could be alienating up to half of your potential audience. And there's not a lot of people in the industry who would really afford to Was it Mike like we that.
1: talked about? Like, you also have to be fucking pretty smart. Like, it's a full-time job to be informed on politics and all that shit. Like
0: I mean, Most people who talk about it aren't.
1: Well, and if you are, you, everyone knows how much time you wasted on it because you need to have, like, a fucking master's in it sometimes to, like, have a well-informed conversation with them because they're crazy. Okay, Do your thing. Do your thing. Yeah. My, do your thing. This, this goes back to, like, and we kind of touched on this, but Andrew likes to troll through Facebook and find quotes or Instagram. And, and you had a few good ones, like, especially in regards to social media. So one of them was, like, here's the reality of all social media. As followers go up, the overall quality of the comments go down. And then the other one was the wolves may come out at night on the streets, but they're out 24 seven on social media. Can you kind of allude to your thoughts? And we kind of touched on this already, but social media in our industry and kind of your thoughts on the whole fucking thing.
2: Okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll answer them in order that you provided them in with in regards to, you know, popularity goes up or oh, followers yeah. of videos, you know, quality goes down. Well, obviously, the, the the obvious answer is that you're exposed to more different diverse personality types, right? So, of course, um, you have that. But I, I'll take it a step further, and if someone does have—normally, if you have a lot of followers or a lot of views on a certain video, um, you're getting attention, you're in the eye, and the, the other people who don't, the commenters, don't. So automatically, it's not a level playing field. Now, when I say it's not a level playing field, i got to provide a lot of context here. I'm not saying one person is now above this other person. That's not what I mean by a level playing field. What I mean is that the person who's in the public eye is being held to a higher standard. Let's look at it like this. If any of us got in a fight with a UFC fighter at a bar, that UFC fighter – is going to lose no matter what. I don't mean lose the fight. They're going to kick any of our asses. What I mean is this. If they get knocked out, everybody goes, ha, ha, you got knocked out by some bum on the street. And if they kick our ass, everybody goes, you're a professional fighter. What are you doing (laughs) fighting some bum on the street? Right? Now, nobody knows the bum on the street's name. You're the bum on the, you're literally the bum on the street. They have a name. Everybody's going to be on Twitter you know, taking them to task about how somebody shouldn't be drinking. They shouldn't be out at this time of night because they're in the public eye. But nobody cares about this other person because they're not. So they are not being held to any standard and they know it. So they're going to take full advantage of that. They can throw out as many uh, nasty comments to you and, and slightly veiled insults or direct insults. And if you fire back emotionally, everybody's going to see you and go look at so-and-so's getting emotional. And what it does is it opens you up for the rest of the wolves to come in because they're going to see, oh, this is the weak spot. It's just like I spent years and years doing combat sports. The reason why you stand like this and you throw punches to protect your chin is because you don't want to leave the other opponent open. And what they, what you're doing when you get all emotional and you do that is you're basically just going like this. Here, hit me. Here's your opening, Right. And that's what I mean by the wolves, you know, are out all the time is when we all go out at night and we go to, you know, sketchy areas or you walk, even when you're walking your dog at night, you keep your head on the swivel because, you know, it's a lot easier for things tend to happen that way. So what you do is you be more on your guard. You're more cautious. You might not walk down the same streets for whatever reason, but people don't have that same self-preservation. That was really the idea of that, of that, um, of that idea is basically when you're posting Self-preservation is number one. We talk about it when it comes – if you're a trainer, you have liability insurance. You have trainer insurance. You talk about maximizing safety. You try to minimize things that can go wrong. But when it comes on social media – a little bit, this ties back to our previous conversation about putting all your stuff out there. What you're doing is you're basically creating all these openings. And um, we are right now in in an interesting time in the world where – what you do is certainly very important, what you can control, but people's perception of you is just as important, if not more so, because once the perception is changed of you, then people will just hear that. Oh, so-and-so, that person is, a, insert whatever derogatory name, and no one will even bother checking into yeah. that or hardly any people. They just go, oh, that's another you know crappy person, and that makes me feel better that I'm not. So I, that that validates my illusionary superiority. So move on, and we're in the world now where the person who complains first wins on social media, well, right? right. Um, so if you then try to justify yourself, then you're playing right into their hands, and if you don't, then you, they they keep it going. So you're it's a rigged game. So what I'm saying is, don't even try to play. You know, <laughs> keep it on your guard, cover your ass, it's and and look at it and look at it from
1: that way. It's funny you say that too, because like that description is exactly what happened like a few of my posts blew up and every time something blew up someone said something shitty about me (laughs) or just like who the fuck is this guy it was like some spider-man versus anyways like that's when all the bad stuff came out but all i keep picturing was like the gray what's the movie the gray where like social media is basically you're out in the wild and there's these wolves trying to kill you all the time (laughs) um it's true they always come out with the people that are kind of popular we've
0: oh, oh there's the connection good again all right awesome how much did you miss
1: there just, probably just a uh, second.
2: i heard you say the gray and then it, it I, I was gonna say the
1: social media is basically like essentially I, I picture it as the gray now after your description where like the dudes in the woods and the wolves are just trying to kill everyone like all the time you always have to be on your guard it's like it's always night on social media
0: and going back to what you said about as follower counts go up you know some of our friends and people who have been on this podcast are some of the ones who get who, big followings and I think of Spencer Nadolsky I think of Brett Contreras and we've talked about this on their episodes and how like they get some really ridiculous comments now Spencer likes to just post them and have some fun with them but uh, you do see that exact effect you're talking about
2: well, you so, okay, I mean, and that's fine. Like I said, you know, it, it don't, it's not just do your thing, but yeah. let other people do their
1: thing too. Well, you know? it, this is good um, to hear from you though. So like we have a people who are listening that are trying to get into social media and do all this. What would, I know you kind of alluded to it, but what would be your, I guess, advice to them if certain things like that appear? Like, so people start trolling them or saying shit about them.
2: I would just say, don't give them credence because that's really what, Um, the fact, the idea that you want to go back, that's an emotional response and you really have to, it's just like a fight. You know, as soon as you get emotional, you start throwing wild punches and leaving yourself open. And, um, I guess you're, you're playing as soon as you do that, you're playing a rigged game. You have already lost and you have to set a precedence and people, what happens is people will see, Oh, this is how you get this person's attention. This is how you get their time um and listen one of the things i've been saying for years is i say an interesting thing happens with paid professionals right let's look at in this field so if i'm a trainer i have people who want my services and they pay for my my services and justifications as to why i give them what they do right but if you want it for free all you got to do is give me shit on social media and all of a sudden i start posting research to try to validate and you get all my time for free so what i've demonstrated is well if you want my services you got to pay for it. But if you don't want my services and you disagree with everything, then you'll get even more of my time than my paying clients. Cause now I'm arguing with you. That's the actual opposite precedence that yeah. you want to, that you want to say, and you're getting it for free and you don't want it anyway. So what that does is it sets a precedent. So you have to be very, very consistent and set guidelines, even though that you're not writing them out. People see consistent behaviors and they realize, um, and once you're, uh, once you show that you don't have any of these soft spots, and it's not an emotional thing for you, or I'm not saying you don't have emotions, you're not a robot. I, you certainly read things and go, what the h, you know. But then if you just let it go and you take a knee on it, and you let it just disappear in the abyss of social media, which is where all social media mm-hmm. posts go, um, then it all goes away. And after a while, those things don't come as frequently because you're not honoring them. You're, you're not you're not there's nobody has any evidence that's that's the way you work
0: and they go find someone else who give, who allows them that Well, there's different professionals with different reputations for this i mean you as a great example this stuff doesn't go on in your social media because you don't cater to it i've seen yeah.
1: it go on like people challenge it but you deal with it pretty pretty well but you, but you, know, you know that i, <laughs> I want cha- I want good challenges yeah uh,
2: i mean you know, i learn a lot from that so Challenging ideas and attacks on one's character or just somebody wanting to be um most of the time people just want to use your platform as their personal sounding board all right um and then okay fine you 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 roll with it but like I said um there are very easy ways to to not be an asshole to it but also not um N- not, um, give it a lot of, a lot of credence. I'll tell you one of my favorite go-to lines and it's, it's, it's not canned. I said it one time and I went, wow, that's probably the best response. And if it's a good response, it's like eating a good cheeseburger, having a good coffee. You keep going back. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things with people, when they come up with something, it's different if they have an obvious research study or something that's objective, that shows me that I'm, that I'm wrong. Um, and by the way, just to circle back for a second, when I was talking, we were talking about good trainers and things being subjective. That's why I try to talk about things as objectively as possible, because it's understanding that those are the things that we can all you know, that that's that's the only thing that scales is objective principles and, and research. Those are the all you know, rules of logic. Those are the only things that, that scale that have nothing to do with your resume or your age or or whatever else. So you're always better off when you're talking to a large audience, talking in as objective manners as possible. But that being said, outside of that, if somebody Um, brings up a a contextual thing, right? Which is a favorite of mine. You know, you say something general and of course it's obviously general. So any specific uh, counter to it is somewhat of a straw man because you're like, well, yeah, I know that, but this was a general statement. So of course there's going to be exceptions. You know what I mean? Um, So one of my favorite things to say to those types of things is I just go, that would be a great article for you to write. Hmm. And and what that does is two things. One is it's not negative. It's encouraging. But it's also a challenge and basically says, okay, well, you put yourself out there and what you're going to see is there's a lot of yous out there who also will pick apart your thing because my favorite quote, I didn't make it up it's a Thomas Sowell quote, is there are no solutions. There are uh, trade-offs. So when you're dealing with practical solutions or your proposed practical solutions, there's always going to be things missed. There's, you know, if you move farther in this direction, you're moving away from this direction. If you move higher up, you're moving further away from down. So it's, go ahead. You put yourself out there and what you will have is a better perspective when you see the same thing, just like any of your friends who have ever, or you guys who have ever done service at a at a restaurant. You ever notice that your friends who were servers for years They start doing server shit at the table. They start stacking (laughs) plates and napkins. Why is that? Because they know how hard that server is working and they figure if I can help make this person's day a little bit better because I know from behind the scenes. I know all the assholes you deal with. I know when the kitchen screws up, you have to hear it, right? So you know what? I understand that. I have perspective. That's why
1: I tell them, you do that yourself because you will have a better perspective. Well, and this is kind of interesting. I don't know if you've talked about it, but – I would assume at some point your methodology into doing all this stuff wasn't always like this. Was there like a changing point in which you dealt with a lot of these things in a different way and then you kind of turned over into this way of thinking? Oh, he froze out. What did you hear there? I heard your, your methodology. I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say, has this kind of grown as you've grown as a trainer and as you become more popular, like your method in dealing with all this stuff? Like, was there a time when you dealt with this in a very emotional way and found something that kind of impacted you to change that approach?
2: No. Um, no, not it's not that. Yeah. It was gaining perspective myself. Yeah. I got into this with a big chip on my shoulder looking at other people. And then as soon as I got into it more, um, I realized from the other, the other side of the the perspective. So, um, but I never, I never addressed things emotionally. It just yeah. It's just not how I work. And, um, um, you know, I'm sure I've, you know, there's certainly times I've failed and I look, I could say that better. Okay. I did spend too much time. I'm not saying I didn't make mistakes, yeah. but getting too emotional about something has never been, uh, is not, not a mistake that I have made. Um, that's not why I'm bringing it up. I would like I said, though, it's just, you get a better perspective when you're doing things, um, you know, on your, uh, you know, when you see things from another side that other people just would not, um, you know, would not know.
0: Anyone who's had the kind of longevity in the industry you have is going to have evolved in some way, shape or form and changed some attitudes, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily were, you know, this, this fucking hothead early in the career only to be called down later. So
2: yeah. you Yeah. And I also listen, I also, I, I invite challenges and criticism mm-hmm. because one of the things I didn't like about other people that I came up from is because they always everything was squashed down, and that's yeah. not honoring individual thought. Um, it, but there's a separation between, hey, listen, if you're going to do this, there's a certain standard to which I'm going to hold you to, mm-hmm. and if I don't, and if that standard and that's through your behavior, and if you don't meet that standard, if you're gonna if you're gonna challenge me, but but it's a veiled personal attack on my character i'm not honoring that yeah you know what i mean because that's not that's not the standard to which i'm holding I, I always say i make everything a home game when you come on my page you're on a you're playing an away game it's a home game for me when i teach yeah i'm in greece or whatever it's my course it's a home game i can i can, can control it you know what i mean and, and i make everything a home game for me i don't let myself it, it, did i take everything to, to boxing and combat when you punch, you keep it tight. You don't reach, you don't drop your hand. Why? Because you leave yourself open in a minute, bunch of ways. So I always think about that. I think about it like a defense attorney. You know what I mean? Before I say this, what are all the different ways people could keep people could hammer me on this?
1: Yeah, you, you basically just slash the belt. Like you just like fucking try it and everyone else is kind of open to it and they get a lot of it because I was trying to look for people even trying to, even on your Facebook, trying to challenge you that much and it just doesn't seem to happen because you have really good responses if you do. Which is good I, I that's a good skill because it doesn 't blow up
2: I appreciate it. I try to minimize the noise and minimize distractions, and I could go in and about stand but those are two of my philosophies: minimize noise, minimize distractions, and you can do a better job of communicating um when you do that. One way is just to be if it 's subjective, be very clear that it's subjective, and then try to provide as much context as possible. There's certainly times where i've looked and i've failed on uh, i haven't i've said something. And I haven't provided as much context. And what you'll learn every time is that if you don't provide context, people will provide their own context for you. And they decide that that's exactly what you meant. That's exactly why you said that. And it always seems to be the lowest reason why. Whatever, whatever they decide is the most sinister, lowest, you know what I mean, yeah. personality reason why, the most. they're always going to give that. That's the one. That must be the reason.
1: Well, and this kind of skirts around what we're talking about, but we always like to give our listeners something like from you that they can kind of hold on to. And and as someone who's had long-term success in the industry, which we touched on, what are some key elements to longevity? And kind of with the more recent shifts in the prevalence of social media and online training, do you see any longevity pitfalls for the newer trainers kind of coming into this?
2: Well, I would say... um a lot of it had remember i talked about perception yeah. what i see is you have to really focus hard on controlling not just your actions of course you have that yeah. but people's perception of you and i would say take a less is more approach in what you say because um, once those perceptions get out there it's you you're, you're done and that's more important now than ever so give people less things to complain about from a social perspective. I mean, people can complain, Oh, you didn't give me a, you know, you didn't give me the full leg workout. That's, that's different. You could say, well, you buy my program to get that. You know what I mean? I give you a teaser on Instagram. I don't mean that kind of complaint. I don't mean customer service type complaints. I mean, you know, the perception of what type of person you are, what your motives are. And that's, that's the new language of, of the day. Um, you know, and I would just say treat everybody, you don't have to respect people's ideas, but you know, Um, respect them as human beings that they're normally they're just doing the best that they can with what they know how and also understand that just because someone someone could be having a bad day or someone five years down the road when they are acting like an asshole if you didn't they might not realize it now but five or six years down the road they come around and go man that time I was talking like this and I did this man that one person like they never they never bit you know what I mean they never they never dove into the mud pile with me uh, that's impressive. What are they doing? And they, and you know, they'll, they'll come up, they'll, They may eventually figure, figure that out. So you just have to be, you know, be yourself, but have a standard of which you hold yourself to that. You don't allow people to control. That's my other thing. I don't allow anybody to control my emotions, my approach, you know, what I mean? because that is giving you power over me. That's why I'm not offended by anything. You know what I mean? And, um, is, is just because it's a power thing for me. I am not giving you power over me. I'm not going to get an emotional response. That's why I've never been emotional.
0: And you actually raise a good point. You know, you're not offended by anything. And, and I think both within you know, nutritional ideology, training ide- ideologies, plus the social political stuff that we're seeing that has bounced around our industry, people are very quick to be offended. Oh, that's and the norm. That's, that's very much our society as a whole. And I think it takes some, some strength and some composure not to allow this stuff to offend you. And I can't imagine what it's like to ex- spend all of your time offended by everything. That's got to be a really awful, stressful, angry, like, shitty place to be.
1: It's a systemic stress thing. Like, yeah, I'm only getting into that. Let's <laughs> yeah, not too far there. A lot, uh, a lot of that, though, sound... What, it almost sounds like a Buddhist mentality. Like, I know maybe that's not where you're going with that, but that whole idea of not being offended and, and like, someone's having a bad day, even that stopping to think about what that person's going through and liking them as a person will kind of inform how you interact with them and it seems like that's kind of how you've approached it there's like a lot of crossover to that anyways
2: let, let, let me let me say this I appreciate what you're saying but if you're gonna put yourself out there publicly then I would say try to be as positive and, and inclusive as you can yeah. I'm not saying you let everybody dictate um, how you go about things but you try to be that way if you feel like there are better ways to say things if you feel like there's a certain word, That you don't have to use in order to get a message across. Then I would say the smartest bet is to is to go that route. Now you're going people. I would say where people go wrong in the I'm offended crowd is that they don't provide understanding of of intent. Hey, I'm trying. You know what I mean? You, but you know, I I we may use different language. I might not know the current rules, right? You know what I mean? Now I know. So thanks for informing me, but don't paint me as an asshole because you define a word differently than I do. You know what I mean? So that's, again, also being, you know, I try to look at things from other people's perspective as well. And and I would say most people, um, their hearts are in the right place. And I really don't think most people are genuinely evil. I, I just think we're very, we're human. And by being human, there's processes that happen in our brains. We're going to be highly biased. And, you know, um, those that, you know, we're going to have we're going to center ourselves. We're going to have illusionary superiority. We're going to have all these things that even though I'm saying them there, a lot of them are very unconscious. So that's the other thing I do. I don't, I don't treat people like, uh, I say, take care of myself, but I really don't think many people are, are trying to be evil or trying to bring me down. Um, I try to look at things and, um, maybe we just don't speak the same language
0: and that that's fine. It's funny, you said the exact same thing. I've had this conversation twice and uh, uh, Mark Fisher uh, talks about unconditional positive regard, but it basically just goes to what you're saying. I like to say it this way. Um, You know, you can have all kinds of conflict with other people, but they don't get out out of bed in the morning going, how can I make someone else's day miserable? How can I be a bad guy? Their moms love them. They love their kids. They're trying to go about life and get by too. So if you can put yourself in their shoes, even if there's a serious issue between you, you humanize them, you're probably going to navigate that situation a little bit better. So see the other person humanize them, I think is always a good thing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I guess the last thing I'll say about this and then we can move on to whatever other topics you want to move in on is that I, I minimize my interactions in this way on social media because it's just a really crappy platform to have any real human discussion because it's easy to inhumanize people when there's no person looking back at you and you can't And you can't do the back and forth, you know, when you can't see body language and all these things, you know, I mean, um, it's it's a it is a recipe for misunderstanding, misinterpretation for straw manning And all one has to do is go on social media for a few hours and look to see that. And I would say to anybody to think that, well, that's not going to happen to me, that that is as delusional as it, you know what I mean? It's as it gets. So if they're wild, you just have to go. I'm not going to complain how the world is. I'm going to operate in the
1: best manner I can, given the circumstances. That's, you know, it's the reason why we do video, even though we only put the audio. Is like now we can see your face, so we, and it's it's very hard to interact with people when we can't see those. And I think it makes for a better podcast, but it makes total sense that on social media without so. that.
0: So you you mentioned obviously moving on to the other topics, and one of the things that. Um, Following you for a long time, this is a really strong trend with you. Is you are really comfortable challenging the industry's status quo? A lot of ideas get very entrenched and they're repeated as gospel, not necessarily with a lot of evidence supporting them. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, squat depth being a really good example. You know, the militant, hey, you have to squat below parallel, everything else is garbage. Um, where did being right versus falling in line with a crowd become important to you?
2: Well, I mean, everybody thinks they're right,
0: Um, so I I don't want to necessarily. I'm not necessarily
2: comfortable with with packaging it that way. Sure. I would just say having honoring my own unique thoughts and putting them out there to see how they hold up. Um, And um, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't about challenging the status quo. It was going to conferences at a young age and thinking. I'm, I don't feel very represented here. or I feel like there's other ways that this can be delivered. This information can be delivered. You know, um, uh, there was a lot of things, you know, I mean, knowing things about psychology, you know, understanding confirmation bias. I saw a lot of those things there. You know, I saw a lot of straw man arguments made and then not thinking, you know, one presenter you know, is, is basically trying to break us down into their method and trying to put us make us floats in their parade, forgetting that we're going to go right into the next room at the next hour session. And there's going to be someone who says completely mutually contradictory things to them, who says just authoritatively and uses their same anecdotal evidence. But they just act like they that, that doesn't exist. Right. And it's like, well, you don't want you don't you want me to respect your anecdotal evidence because you have this resume but you don't even honor this person's anecdotal evidence that they have just as much of a resume as you. So wait a minute now, what, you know, so with all these things, and also a lot of it was contextual, I'm a trainer and people come and go to me on their own volition. But most of the people I was listening to are strength coaches and physical therapists, where if you're a strength coach for a college and they don't want to do the workout, well, great, you're off the team, <laughs> right? Uh, or if you're a physical therapist, well, then you don't know anything. You just tell them, hey, I don't know. I just want my rotator cuff to, you know what I mean, to come back after surgery. You tell me what to do. So it was a very completely different environment where, you know, in my environment, people are coming and going their own volition. And if I'm not honoring preferences to, I'm not letting them dictate the workout, but if I'm not honoring preferences, I'm not around. Yeah. So, you know, the language is different. The, the, the you know, the approaches are different. The goals are different. Um. So it was just really not seeing that, and going, well, I can either just complain about it, or I can try to do something about it. And I'm a doer type person. Um, just it was more that, and um, and it was also just me being frustrated, where a lot of people would talk a lot, but not uh, not give me much, you know. That was that was practical, um, or things that were not environmental specific, you know. These people had their big gyms and studios. But yet I'm training at Gold's Gym, and I can't pair up a lat pulldown and a front squat because a lat pulldown is at the opposite end of the gym. And if I leave one, the other one is gone, right? So mm. it's like clearly these people aren't actually training in a real gym like most of these people in this room because most people in this room don't have a 5,000-square-foot facility, you know? So there was just all these gaps that I saw, and I said, well, okay, I'll just – if no one's going to step up, I'll just step up and get do things in my own way that was all it wasn't it wasn't a challenge anybody it was just to put things forth the way i think about it It just ended up being contrarian because it was very opposite to how the field the field is very top down authority down i was principles up what do you want you want hypertrophy well then i need to create a stimulus to do that you want um strength you know then i need to create a stimulus to do that rest periods are going to be you know A different thing. Oh, you like fast-paced workouts. Oh, you don't like barbells. Okay, fine. We'll just put force across your tissues with dumbbells and bands. Your body doesn't care. You know, so principles first.
0: I think one of the better ways I could have said it uh, is you're constantly in this search for a better way, the truth, and you don't rest on some of these, again, entrenched principles that may or may not be well evidence based. So you're always searching for a better way. And uh, and and that's why I like it. I've I've seen you present, and uh, I, I think it's been twice. Yeah, so I've seen you present twice, and one of those was demonstration on just how to do uh, dumbbell rows better, and it deconstructed the mechanics of it, and it was actually quite fascinating, and it made the movement better versus the traditional way. So, um, yeah, no, I value that do approach to things. I was gonna say, do
1: you think that there's that that has changed in the industry as a whole? Because like you're you're talking about, you were searching for these things. As a whole has 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 this been more evident in other people presenting? Like has that changed? Has there been a shift to that? I
2: well, I mean it's gonna sound biased to say I think so, yeah. but I will give you a, a specific example of when I it really hit home for me where I went. Holy crap, like this is happening right now yeah. was when we were in Australia at the Ultimate Evidence-based conference and I was getting a lot of questions about debate and skeptical thinking and, um, and not try to win a debate, but you know, like, well, how do we, you know, about, about, about BS detection, you know, evaluating claims. Um, that was just not when I was coming up as a trainer, nobody was talking about that. It was like, so-and-so says this and that's that. And, um, it was just like, wow, this is to the point now where this is normal to this group. Like, you know, um, they're interested in communicating with one another. They have a better idea that they have could be wrong and confirmation bias. And they're, they they do not look at, at challenges of ideas as a tax on one's character. You know, um, they don't look at a challenge of idea as well. You're just too young to, you know, how many people have you trained, but they're looking at the, the argument based on its own merits. Right. um, You know those things. I went, wow! That was the first time I've ever been in an event where like the entire audience of 100 and some people. Now I can't speak for every person there, but that you know the vibe was, yeah, this is normal. This is how we roll. And that was the first like realization, like, okay, this this is a there's some standards are, are are changing, or you know, it's not just a few people.
1: And that's what I was asking, essentially. How have the standards changed? I think as a whole they have, but fitness it's gotten bigger too. I
0: think that this corner of the industry you're going to see more and more professionals who present in this manner. Uh, Dean Somerset's fantastic for this stuff. Uh, Brett Contreras, again, are just two really good examples. Guys like James Krieger, I think, uh, would be great at this. And I think an audience is going to gravitate to people who are going to be more open to being skeptical and having those conversations like you just said. There are still going to be people who will follow the the, the the insta-famous people and toe the line with the way things were but i agree i think it's getting better and i think because of professionals like yourself and some of these other people we discussed there are more trainers in the industry who are willing to think critically and actually value that
2: so if i if i can just piggyback off of what you just said sure. the, the big term you just used i was going to say it is value that it's what we're talking about here is facts versus values. Now they're not in opposition. So when I say facts versus values, I'm not putting them in opposition. What I'm saying is that, and this ties back to what we what we talked about earlier about some people want to infuse their the politics in there because that's a that's something that they value. They have a shared value and they're just putting that out there. Hey, to me, life is not just bicep curls and deadlifts. It's also you know politics and whatnot. So I'm going to share my value. And other people are going to resonate that and go, oh, we're a part of a community here because I share that same value, right? What I was saying is, you don't get in where you don't fit in. I do not share that value. You guys do your thing over there, have at it, right? I'm, I don't fit in. I'm not going to try to make you make me fit in, but don't try to make don't try to make you know me make you fit in either, right? That's where problems occur. So. The value, what I was bringing forth was a value system. It had less to do with the actual training applications. It has to do with a worldview, you know, and it really is um, contrarian to how things have gone before because everything gone was gone before was this, top-down, expert, trainer, then client, right? What I do is, so the expert's, Try to make the trainer little floats in there, trainer parade. And then the trainers make the session about them and not the client. I like kettlebells. Therefore, you're going to do kettlebells, regardless of the goals you said. I like powerlifting. Therefore, everybody just needs to get strong with the old school lifts, regardless of what they said their goals were, right? I'm, I'm the opposite, right? It's it's more about the being a unique individual and a thinking person. It's about principles first. So, what I say is principle based, right? Scientifically founded. What does the best evidence say? And then obviously, you're not going to have evidence for it. You're not going to have a study for everything. You don't need to. What do principles dictate, right? What does a principle of specificity and adaption dictate, right? All research does is helps give us options on using principles and it helps to eliminate some things. Hey, a bunch of studies were done and this might not be the best way to go about this goal. Just helps kind of level to, um, eliminate a few potential options. And then, what do you want? Right. So what do you want? You want this adaption. You want that adaption. Well, I'm going to use this stimulus to create that adaption. But this is a different adaption you want. I need a different stimulus for it. So it was completely opposite. And then from an education standpoint, I taught like somebody would how you would buy a car, which is completely opposite of how everybody else does it. You know, the way we teach now, way we were teaching for years and still are, is I'm going to make you regurgitate a bunch of physiology stuff and a bunch of this, that and the other Um, and then we're going to take a little piece at the end and just show you some practical, right? And then when you graduate, you're not going to know anything about how to train anybody. You don't know how to communicate. You don't know about exercise, individualization, prescription, but you can regurgitate all this stuff. Well, that's like the car salesman. You say, well, you know, I'm going to look at a few cars and they say, well, let me just tell you about the the materials of the metal in the body and why you just go, look, I don't care. I want to test drive it first. I want to see if I feel right in the seat. I want to see if the wheel fits right. I want to see if there's blind spots based on my height. If I like the test drive, then I care about the details. right? So that's all I did is I just flipped education on its head. Here's all the stuff. Take it for a test drive. Do you like it? Yeah, this is really cool. Now you care about the details. Otherwise, you don't care. And the other way I can say it is that People were coming to learn how to make a paper airplane, and all they were doing was learning the aerodynamic principles. but still don't know how to make a paper airplane. But I can make a really good paper airplane and teach a kid how to make a paper airplane, have no clue about aerodynamics. So everything I just did was backwards based on my, my value system. All you just see is the manifestation of a value system.
1: Where do we find your guide to the paper airplane? I'm kind of I'm like, this sounds like a good paper airplane. Um, (laughs) sorry, bad joke. Um, this, this one, this one, I kind of want to switch subjects is, should should you judge a trainer by how their client looks? Um, no, but you know, I've written about that before, so (laughs) you already know. Inside joke.
2: Um, I would say you judge, you'd have to chat with the, um, you'd have to chat with the, the, uh, individual and, you know, see what their goals are. And also see why they like to come back and how long they've been coming back. And uh, the, if a lot of people would say, well, they should, you know, why, why else people exercise? Well, if they're stronger, if they're more confident, if they lead a more active and independent lifestyle because of all the things you're doing. Yeah. Um, obviously, if they've been exercising a lot more and regularly than they were before, all those are are success. So there's more reasons to exercise than pure physique related, you know, increased bone density, reduction in all cause mortality. That's medical terms for basically trying to live longer and not die. Uh, Yeah. Who cares about that? Right. So, um, so there's just, you're, if you judge a client based on how they look, you're saying the only reason you should exercise is, is to look better and you can look really great. Talk about it. Talk to any professional athlete or physique competitor and both will tell you. This isn't about health. No, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, it's completely true. When I was pl- playing football, <clears> looked great. <throat> I was fucked up. When I'm cutting weight for powerlifting, like that was the most unhealthy I've ever been. I think that that doesn't come across. Even if we talk about social media, but that doesn't come across at like as the norm. I don't think people actually understand that.
0: Yeah, I think if you do have a- aesthetic goals, and you know you are looking for someone who is good at at fat loss or muscle building, there's nothing wrong with taking a look at the clients and using it in a positive way to say, okay, like this professional obviously knows what they're doing to get physical Absolutely. results. But like you said, there's so many more dimensions to it. There's so many more metrics of success. I have a client, longtime client who, a <clears throat> uh, little bit of an older lady, um, you know, she lost a little bit of weight when we first started, but she was more concerned with losing, uh, getting her blood pressure normal, her blood sugar normal, both of which happened fairly quickly. She liked to lift Heavy. She liked to do barbell exercises, and we gradually got her to come into the gym a little bit more, and just the fact that she was more comfortable, you know, was a big success. She likes to enjoy her lifestyle. She likes to eat and enjoy life and travel the way she does. Her energy levels are way better, and you wouldn't look at this lady and say, oh, she's ready to get up on stage, but at the same time, she's been a, mo- a massive success based on where she was to where she is. She now goes to the gym on her own three or four times a week, really enjoys it, goes straight for the squat racks when all the guys are doing the, the cardio machines or or uh, Peck Deck Flies. That's a Peck Deck Fly. Or whatever that is. And, uh, you know, I feel great about it. So, and I, you know, I, I still think she looks great from where she started, but yet she's not someone who you'd be like, hey, you know, that's a fitness competitor ready to go. So well, let's, <clears throat> let's ask Nick about books. Cause again, we mentioned how you've written through, you're working on your fourth. And is there anything that personally or professionally, personal development or fiction or whatever that you enjoyed and you'd want to share with people?
2: Fiction books. I posted something about that on Facebook a few weeks. Jesus, man. Before. You're the worst. <laughs> um, uh, it's, uh, I'll watch movies, but I just don't. Okay, well, the, the, you know, you're, you're right. Really, and actually, can I. Yeah, I'll absolutely. answer your question in a second, but let me expand on that a little sure. bit. For somebody who hasn't read the post, what I said is, to me, the movie is always better than the book because everybody always says the book is better than the movie. I said, because the movie takes like two hours. And I said, and I just don't have the desire to spend more time <laughs> than that on. You know, on fiction, I said, I've been like this since I was a kid. So, you know, of course, um, it was very subjective. But this is a good example. Um, My girlfriend took me to task on this one because she goes (laughs) "That just out of of the ordinary with you. She said, you provided no context. You just provided unsolicited. And I said, (laughs) well, everything's unsolicited on social media unless somebody's paying me for it. I said, but I understand what you mean. I didn't I didn't give some reason why I said that. So let me let me go into that a little further, because I do Mm -hmm. think this is important. Um, All I've heard all my life. Is And I know how I've been. I've never cared about fiction books for that reason. I'm a, what I've learned is now called a task reader. I'm not now as it a new term, but I didn't know it. Yeah. Um, I just didn't gravitate to me. I just thought if I'm going to put mental energy into something, I want it to have an d- immediate return and something I can use long term. Now, yeah, people can say you can, it can enrich you and you can get inspiration, great creativity. I don't go against any of that. But that's to me, that was just not the best way for me to feel the enrichment that I wanted, I wanted something that's more factual, objective. You know, reading a book on training or something like that, or about social psychology, that's just more what I resonate with. But all my all my life, I've heard people say this, and it, and you know, it doesn't it didn't speak to me. So there's two things that can happen when you hear that. You either think, and when you hear it from so many people and repeated, you just think. Maybe there's something wrong with me here. You know, maybe I'm missing out on something. I'm not inclined to do this. So then you you want to try to force yourself into it. And obviously when it doesn't fit, you think you're the problem. So the reason why I say that is to, as someone who's accomplished, you know, things in their life that people look at and go, wow, you work really hard and you, you don't just work, you've done things, you know, that we can grab onto. Then it, it, I was speaking to those people to say, well, it's okay to have this perspective, too, you know, it it doesn't put you in some negative box that if you don't resonate with this. So that was the reason why, right? Of course, it's not going to speak to to other people, but to take it a step further, I'm not arguing this point because it's all subjective. You know, it's like arguing whether you like chocolate ice cream or not. It's purely a matter of taste, but I do want to take it a step further here because it's relevant to people who want to create things. People like you, you guys, you want to put your own stuff out there is, Anytime someone says, well, it's all about, you know, when you read the book, it's all about imagination and I really, you know, you get your own thing and I go, I'm all about imagination and creativity too, which is why I do my own shit, right? The, 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 the step further in imagination is not to build off of somebody else's thing and imagine what they thought or what you thought of someone else's idea. If you want imagination, create your own thing from scratch, Right And do your own thing. That's, that's if you want imagination. Now the problem is because I use so much of my own creativity to be able to communicate complex thoughts in simple manners or at least things that I do intuitively that I have to simplify. I'm so mentally drained from that that I don't have the – I don't want to develop the – uh, put out the energy. I don't have it. To then be imagining some other thing about Harry Potter or Spider-Man or whatever. I want the passive. I want to say someone else got paid to imagine it for me and go check this out. This is cool. So that's why I like going on cruises. I don't want to go to Italy and have to take a road trip and map it all out. I want to give you my 1500 bucks and say take me to these seven islands. Feed me at these times. I don't want to think because that's all I do in my life. So the I, the overarching thing to let people know is some people it's okay if you're not into that because maybe it means you're expending a lot of mental energy in your life doing your own creative stuff. So when it comes to entertainment, maybe you just want the opposite. You know, I like TV because it's mindless. <laughs> so everybody always don't watch TV. You know, almost like, yeah, okay, you're so much better than me. You know, you're so much better than everybody who doesn't watch TV. <laughs> oh, it's such mindless entertainment. That's exactly why
1: I like TV. Is this where you drop that your new, like, a new new book? You're actually writing fiction. <laughs> right,
2: yeah, yeah. So <laughs> anyway, um, again, it's not an argument. It's just, you know, the, I, I did a horrible job of providing, you know, hey, I've been hearing this all my life, and it can make you easily make you think that you're the issue, right? But in fact it's, it, it demonstrates a certain quality and it actually doesn't mean you don't have imagination. You, you know what I mean? That that you weren't. So that, that was a little more explanation there. All right. So you asked me about, um, You've books. Read books. Yeah. Just stop. Like, yeah. Well, I mean like what books did I like, like or just like, like
1: what impacted you the most? Like, is there one book that you give to people that are like listening? Like, man, this guy knows stuff. Like what was that book for you? That kind of changed things. <laughs>
2: There's only two train. Let me let me be specific yeah. to the fitness training for a second. There's only two training books that I read, and I read a ton. You know, um, from muscles testing and function to biomechanics books to you know programming books. Um, the only two books that really resonated with me coming up as a trainer and still to this day when I look as influential is in no particular order. Uh Facts and Fallacies of Fitness by Mel Siff. Um, the big Mel Siff book that everybody talks about is super training. Um, you might use it as a reference guide, but hardly anybody even understands that dang book. Um, I hardly ever see it referenced. You know what I mean? It's, it's not extremely practical. I know people say it's a kind of a must have, but I just think that's just one of those things that cycles through, um, facts and fallacies of fitness by Mel Siff and, um, the essence of program Design by Juan Carlos Santana, not the guitar player, obviously. Um, Because JC's book was the first program design book. It's a spiral bound, self-published book. Came out in 2004. That was like written by a trainer that that was about the client and it was more about training. It was less about periodization. He talked about periodization, but most program design books are based on Eastern Bloc models of periodization that were designed to peak athletes for Olympic competitions and for college competitions. Your general fitness clients aren't peaking for anything. Your general fitness clients come in and they go, can we not do legs today because my knees are sore because I was in my garden all day, right? you so got a periodized plan of squats and deadlifts, you might as well ball it up and throw that shit in the garbage. That's the stuff you deal with every day as a real trainer. So you realize that that kind of periodization models just don't fly with most trainers and uh, most clients that most trainers are dealing with. So that's why they didn't resonate with me because I was a trainer first before I got into all this stuff. I started at 17 years old. So I had a good idea of practical implica- applications and that informed me when I read books. So outside of um, outside of training books – now I'm not saying those are the only books I yeah. like. There's certainly great books that people like Brad Schoenfeld have written and other people. I just mean they were influential to me as a young, young trainer and still they've colored a lot of what I do uh, to this day. Um, the other books are social psychology stuff, uh, just about fallibility of human reason in everyday life. I would say um, – why We Know What Isn't So. I've mentioned that on other podcasts um, by Thomas Gilovich. Why We Make Mistakes um, is a really good one. Um, there's another one that I'm, it's, I'm looking back at you know, the bookshelf mm-hmm. right now that I can't think of right now. Um, it's, the, it oh, sounds I'm like... like uh, books, The Believing Brain, Why People Believe <laughs> Weird Things. Um, those those sorts of books. Oh, a, um, um, another author who's big, been highly influential to me in the later years with social psychology is um, uh, Guy P. Harrison. He wrote a book called Think, and he's got another book called Good Thinking. He's got a really new one called Think Before You Like or, or something like that. And um, what I really like about him was he's a skeptic guy. He challenges beliefs. He's got even books challenging you know, religion. But he he's super conversational and not adversarial, even about the most – what are divisive topics and to show how that is done. It takes a lot of intellectual work and a lot of thought to do it, but it shows it can be done. And there's a lot of, you know, there, it's very common to look at science based people and skeptical community as assholes. And you know what they are, they all, they do act like, you know, assholes to people. Um, and that is not the way gatekeeper syndrome. That is not the way to bring people around to your way of thinking is to treat them like shit,
1: you know, I was going to say, this might just be a last piece before we end up, is when did you make the shift or interest into social psychology and kind of diving into these topics? Was that always on your mind at 17, or was there like a shift somewhere in your career? It was very simple. It came from going to fitness conferences.
2: Yeah. I need to provide a little context here. My mom was a bodybuilder in the 80s. I've said that many times if you listen to me before you hear that, but- one of the ways my mom, one of the things I haven't said is one of the ways my mom and I would get together, because my parents got divorced, lived in different states, you know, custody went back and forth. But one of the ways my mom and I would be able to get together is we would meet up at fitness conferences. Right? So my mom has always been in fitness, and as a kid, she influenced me. So I was interested at 13. So I was going to fitness conferences at 13, 14 years old. <clears throat> All right. So with with my mom. Um that was how we bonded. And we did that, you know, we still do it to this day. All right. So um, I'm sorry, I kind of lost my train of what we,
1: say so
2: one of the things that I found really interesting was I would go to one room and there'd be a very, uh, accomplished expert saying something. And then I'd go to the next room in the next class block and there'd be a just as accomplished expert saying something mutually contradictory. And I thought, well, why is that? You know, like that was interesting to me. How is it that two really smart people, this person and this person, um, can kind of look at the same thing, make the same claims, you know, well, this is the way you approach people with back pain. This is not the way you do it. Whatever. You know, this is the best way to strengthen the leg. whatever it was. Um, um, and, but how can they come away with completely mutually, sometimes mutually contradictory things? And then of course you have other intelligent people who buy into this system and that system and they go against each other. Um, I was curious to figure out some. There's got to be something deeper there. Um, so that's what got me into social psychology. You know, um, that that was that. I, I didn't want to keep making the same mistakes. Yeah. You know, I didn't want to buy into one thing and then realize ten years later that was false, and just go, well, it sounded good at the time. I have no less common sense now. They they use no less anatomy. So why did this sound good, and why did it have so many? practitioners convinced and why did all these practitioners say i see it working but then all of a sudden 10 years later every everybody just forgets about it and it's the next thing and it's like well, what about all those practitioners that said it worked you know like you know so what's happening here what you know why is this stuff happening um and other stupid things like uh <laughs> you guys i don't know how old, you guys are probably around my age i'm 39 but i'm, so sure I'm like a, a, year 80, 80, I'm a year older you than you i'm a year old do you remember make- so remember in the 90s where everybody hated phil collins yeah. Right. Phil Collins like represented <laughs> everything everybody hated about the eighties. But then in the two thousands, Phil Collins is is like oh, just a good artist, right? And like if you notice that in music, where as soon as a music genre changes from like a decade, whoever represented that last genre or is yeah. like the worst ever, right? But then ten years after, the next generation, <clears> they don't really care about that anymore. So then it's just music. Right? And I looked and I'm like, why is that? Why why do people perceive these things differently? It's all perception, you know. Um, So I was just really curious to learn more about how we think. I thought that was the best approach to learn, and it was a game changer for me. I know that sounds cliche, but it it really was. It was much more, oh, yeah, i got to be more humble about what I believe, and I'm a biased human being, and just because I see it doesn't mean I know what I saw. I know an outcome. I don't know the mechanism of why. I know when I see a magic show. I know the magician started there and appeared over there, but I don't know why. And I sure as heck know he didn't dissolve and become a ghost and actually transport himself like in Star Trek.
1: I think, I think that's the that's the one tidbit I think like at the very end that we can close out on because that context right there, if you can't get anything out of that, well, that's, that's on you. I think that that's a very good lesson for people except for at one point – I don't know. The, uh, just, there has to be someone in the future who can teleport to do something. Like they'll figure it out. Um, fuck! I'm on fire today. Where can people find your work? And where do they? Where can they find what you write? What you put out there in, in your social media?
2: Just eyes me, man. Google knows me. Um, no, I mean yeah, social media. I mean, uh, follow me on Facebook. Um, you know, you can check out the Instagram. I'm. I'm not like I, you know, I, I don't go crazy on the Instagram thing, but um I just spend more time on um, you know, put more effort into the Facebook aspect cuz I like to more write thoughts and yeah. things like that, but um I don't really spend a lot of time looking at Facebook. I'll post and then you know, go on about my back to my own little selfish world of trying to be productive or
1: watch movies and TV. Which he he cut out, so he's not going to hear that joke. Damn it. one second.
0: One second. There. All right, we got your back. We lost you there for a sec, but we're all good. Yeah. I, uh, yeah,
2: did, you hear, did you hear what I said there? No, yeah. can say it
0: again. again. Say it again.
1: You're in your own world.
2: Yeah, i just saying, yeah, I'm just in my own little, aside from that, I'm just in my own little selfish world of trying to accomplish my, my goals and just put the things out there that I wish were there for
0: me and speak to people like I wish I, they would speak to me. Yeah, go check out his website. It's full of a lot of really good content. There's a lot of writing there, and worth mentioning too is you just dropped a um, uh, your NT loop. So it's uh, bands are really popular now in uh, in the fitness industry. So do you want to just mention that real quick too?
2: Yeah, it's just a softer material. I mean, people have seen those those softer hip, you know, that go around your uh, hip loop, hip circles, whatever. I took a similar material uh and just made a much larger uh, loop out of it we made it real soft we have rubber on the inside and it was simply because um super bands or you know strength bands the big loop bands they're great bands but when you put them around an extremity they're not very comfortable and they roll and they pop and i uh, wanted something that just fit better with putting it around your thigh or your waist to do resisted adductions or resisted deadlifts with the band pulling you backwards or resisted running um so you know made a bigger toaster
1: <laughs> doesn't pull hair or skin is what you're saying. That's a big one. I was, I'm like yeah. thinking I'm like yeah those fuckers when they just roll over and you pull out a bit, oh, the worst.
2: Yeah, I mean listen, I just invite everybody check out n-ntloop.com. Um, Just check it out for yourself. It, it's it doesn't it's not as important what I say. I'm biased, it's got my name on it. it. Matters what you say, but now that it is out in the trainers' hands, it's getting tremendous feedback, and that's what matters. It matters what other people who have bought it say, and we're you know we're starting to accumulate some testimonials now, and some people are saying it's their new favorite tool my favorite feedback is someone says the new swanky band <laughs> and so. you made it
1: that you might be a c to b list if that if that's how you do it that's how you do it i'll uh, be you'll be the, sit- the, mark, the market will determine you'll know?
0: be sitting on oprah's couch promoting yeah it hopefully one day
1: the band's gonna do it that's gonna be what breaks you into oprah's couch i know it.
0: nick thanks so much for taking the time to do this um i you know we, we talked about it back in april but uh, it means a lot that we got you on here um Guys, if you haven't been following any of Nick's stuff before, I again, he's someone that I've been paying a lot of attention to for a really long time. Especially if you're into critical thinking, it's just a really good exercise to get into is to challenge your pre-existing belief systems and to open up your mind a little bit. And if you are someone who has been following Nick and is finding us for the first time, we've set a bunch of names, some of Nick's... Uh, peers like brett Contreras, who recently had on the podcast go check out another one of our episodes if you really like it you know you might find that you like some of the other ones dean somerset dr mike gazertel and so many more brad Dieter, there's there's, brad Dieter. yeah nick thanks so much man appreciate
2: it i appreciate it appreciate all you guys are doing to allow people like me to have a have a platform to share our
1: experiences great all right see you guys shut up and sit down
0: God of hell fire and I bring you
2: fire.